Hi, welcome to the Church Split, and welcome to part two of our Why I'm Not a King James Only a series. So I, I think this is important, as I mentioned before. So today we're going to be focusing on only the history and the historical figures and what took place to get us the Bible that we have today. So again, uh, like, share, subscribe, do all that, follow us on all the social media. I'm probably most active, honestly, on Facebook, uh, which apparently is the old person's platform now, but whatever, it's the most accessible and easiest one to use, so deal with it. Um, I hate Twitter. I'm just going to be honest. I'm on that one the least, but... Anyway, um, so let's start going over this. So I th think that history will reveal in and of itself that King James Onlyism is not the accurate way to look at things. So uh, there's, it was really hard to figure out where I wanted to start in this because, okay, do I want to go to the very first manuscripts and get more build from there? But I think the textual and the uh, manuscripts deserve their own separate video. So we're going to do that later. So let's just start off and just hop right into the 1380s. Which is, of course, not that long ago. It's a pretty long time ago. The 1380s with John Wycliffe. So John Wycliffe, I'm, and I'm going to give you basically the marginal notes on each one of these characters. Please go ahead and look them up and do all the research you want. It's all online. You can have a good time with it. It's fun. So in the 1380s, he had a bunch of scribes put together um, uh, a translation, an English translation from the Latin Vulgate. And the Vulgate largely is credited to, credited to a man named Jerome. And this was actually strongly objected to by Augustine. Yes, the hippo guy. Yeah, the big Augustine. Jerome was the one who put the Latin Vulgate together. And John Wycliffe was the one who made the first English translation from the Latin. Now keep in mind, as we're talking about this, the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Koine Greek. And that's important because this is coming from, again, English from Latin. Now remember, translations are difficult. So if I translate something from Spanish into English and I use the English then as my proof text to do it into, to bring it into French, it's going to lose some of its accuracy because I'm no longer going from the source. I'm now going to, through a middleman for it. So that's important. So many King James Onlyists, uh, they call his... Uh, his work very perverted because it was translated from the Latin Vulgate itself. And I'm honestly, I, I think it's unfair to instantly start throwing the word perversions around. When people are trying to get the people of the word of God in their language and they only have access to say the Latin and they don't speak Latin, but they can at least give it to them in, in their own words in English, I don't think you can sit there and attack somebody for that. This is somebody trying to still get the people their own Bible. So you can't get mad, mad there. So, however, we, he was using the only source text available, right? He was using the only source text available to him. So how can you condemn a man who fought against the organized corrupt church and sought to give the word of, word of God in their own language? And he largely succeeded. The Pope was actually so enraged by Wycliffe's teachings <laughs> that 44 years after Wycliffe had died, the Pope had his corpse dug up bones crushed and then thrown into the river. So you want to talk about being petty. Uh, the, the Pope was having none of it. So obviously John Wycliffe went through quite a bit to get, a, get the people this, and it was the very first start really of English speakers getting their hands on something of the Word of God. And then right after this, John, Huff, John, Huff, John Wycliffe apparently believed strongly in discipleship because John Huss was one of his students. And John Huss uh, continued the work of Wycliffe, but eventually was actually caught by the Catholic Church, who was in power during that day, and they burned him at the stake, which is, again, 
people working hard to get people the English Bible. And as uh, and they actually use his English Bible from the Latin translated into the English. They use that actually as the kindling for the fire. So they basically took his work and burned him alive with it, which is, yeah, I mean, that's one way to get a message across, I suppose. Uh, but his last words, he said, in a hundred years, God will raise up a man who calls for reform and cannot be suppressed. And oddly enough, he died in 1415, and the Reformation began in 1517. So it was right about a little over 100 years, like 102 years. So he was pretty close on his uh, final words there. But you could say that, and to be poetic, you could really say that the embers of the Reformation and the English Bible were kindled by Wycliffe, burned, burned in Huss, and spread by Martin Luther. So... That alone, uh, I think that objection alone does not stand. Again, this is where it all began. This, how, how can you condemn a man for, for translating something into the words of people, uh, of the people? How can you condemn a man who translates the Bible into the words for the people and was the very one who first started sparking this? So then we have Johann Gutenberg in the 1450s, okay? This man, he invented the printing press, and this is important. You probably remember this in your history. And the first thing to be printed on it was actually a Latin Bible. And you're going to hear me refer to it sometimes as the Vulgate or the Latin Vulgate. That's important. It's, the, it's essentially the Catholic Bible, okay, in Latin. This was vital to the success of the translation in the Reformation. So this printing press is going to be used a lot from, and it started with Johann Gutenberg. But then we say, see, um, it, I, I don't know. So Thomas Lenaker or Lenas, whatever weird name here. This guy in the 1490s served as the personal physician to King Henry VII and also the Eighth. And during this time, he actually learned Koine Greek and he compared it to the Latin with the manuscripts he had. And he said, either this, referring to the original Greek, is not the gospel or we are not Christians. So essentially, this is really important because the Latin over so many years had become so corrupt that it no longer uh, held the gospel even. He was looking at this like, either this is not the gospel or we are not Christians. And he's realizing that the Greek very much disagreed with what they had written in the Vulgate. So here's the thing, though. The church still required people to use the Latin under fear and perjury of death. So if you use a different version outside of the Latin, you are condemned and put to death. And they wouldn't even consider the Greek or the original languages. This is interesting as well because the some depending on which circle the King James only advocates, uh, they refuse to even acknowledge the Greek or the Hebrew text, just like the Catholic Church did. Now, granted, they're not going around burning people alive. At least I don't think they are. Maybe I don't. I don't think so. Um, I never had any burning ceremonies. I don't. No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. So instead, they, so what do they do? But they instead declare that the King James Version is the truly inspired word of God, just as the Catholic Church claimed that the Latin Vulgate was the truly inspired word of God. And I want you guys to try to remember all these Bible versions I'm talking about throughout history, the Latin Vulgate being one of them. So I've mentioned the true meaning of certain words uh, on this channel. And like, hey, this is what this word means, the root word here, especially like maybe my alcohol video or whatever it is that you might see. And I've been told by King James Only Advocates that I have uh, sacrificed the word of God for academia, as if being academic is now a sin toward the King James. And that 
also is not okay. That is not correct. In fact, the church has always been very academic. That is actually that they were the ones who pioneered really the huge scientific movement. And oddly enough, now science says they don't need God. Uh, when really science was originally really studied to get to know God and to get to know the create creator through the creation. So it's just really funny how some of these things get like flip flop throughout history. But anyway, preferring to trans so preferring a translation instead of the original text is an issue. If you prefer a translation over the original text, Latin over the Greek uh, happened here, or in the 1600s, English over the Greek, and the very this is the very thing we the very thing we accuse that a Catholic Church of doing, we do in reverse. So we go, you prefer the Latin Vulgate, you would not allow people to translate it into English, and now we go, how dare you? You don't don't you dare translate anything else outside of this King James Bible, and possibly you know. And if you're, and if you depend on what camp, you can translate into other languages like Spanish, French, or whatever, as long as it's from the Texas Receptus that the King James came from. I also want to make note that a lot of people say that they love the 1611 King James, and that is actually a fun fact for you. You can't get a 1611 King James version right now. Uh, actually, the version we have today is a 1769 version, which is the revision of it. So 1769, 1611, that's a lot of revisions. That's a lot of time in between. If you want to get a 1611, and actually I looked it up and uh, they were like, they're just reprints. They weren't even original ones, but they were just, they're about $500 for some of these things. And so, uh, yeah, we don't have a 1611. We have 1769. So that's a little point that will come up more later, but we're going to continue. So the KJ, so when people say um, the KJV though, is the one true word of God, like the whole, the problem is, that you're comparing the Latin Vulgate to the King James. Well, the King James is the word of God. The Latin Vulgate was a perversion. Okay, well, let me ask you this, and we'll, we can get back to this in other videos, but how do you know the King James, how do you know that is the one? How do you know of all the ones, of all these different Bible star history that we're, gonna, we're about ready to go through, that one's the one true word of God? By what standard is that one the word of God? And yes, I just by what standard you, um, which is usually what Christians do to atheists when they claim immorality. But but what standard? What is it? What is it compared to? Is it the Texas Receptus? Is it is a majority text? What what do we compare it to? How do we know that that particular one is the one? So we're going to come back to that. Uh, and we'll, but right here for right now, I just want you guys to notice the fact that the Catholic Church goes. This it was the true word of God. Don't you touch it? And King James only us go. This is the true word of God. Don't you touch it? Then in 1496, we have a man named uh, John Collette, and he translated the Bible into English, and over 20,000 people, so when he translated it into English, now again from Vulgates, from the Latin, uh, over 20,000 people came to hear it in St. Paul's Cathedral in London, which is actually kind of sad when you, uh, because nowadays only about 200 people probably attend there, and originally there was like people like all around it trying to get into it just to hear the Word of God in their own language. Could you imagine being that excited to actually hear the Bible spoken to you in your own language, you, we take it for granted. It's like, oh yeah, I just go to church and I hear it. I have like 16 Bibles on my shelf. You know, what's the big deal? To them, they had never heard it. They'd only heard through other people what it said. So here's what, um, and basically uh, he would have been executed. John Collette would have been. But he was able to dodge the bullet because he basically had connections. So that's kind of great. So he would have been executed, but he didn't. So the next part is 
a person I'm going to park on for a strong minute. So I'm actually going to end this video right now. And the next video, we're going to talk about a very important person in biblical history named Desiderius Erasmus. Okay. We're going to talk about him in the next video. So thank you for being here today, guys. I appreciate your time. Uh, my name is Will, and this has been The Church Split.